0: welcome to miami creators i am your host corrado and each week i bring you the inspiring stories behind miami's most influential businesses individuals entrepreneurs and more today we are joined by juan marcos rancano he is the owner of the brickle living instagram page sweet caroline karaoke bar as well as the miami bar crawl event series on today's episode, Juan talks about the early days of Brickle living, growing it to what it is today, the different businesses it has given birth to, as well as how he is utilizing that platform to bring about change in Briggle And as you'll soon see, Juan's ability to take lessons learned from previous failed businesses and apply them to his following ventures have allowed him to continue evolving and moving on to bigger, better things. Please sit back, relax. And enjoy this fun and entertaining conversation with Juan Marcos Rancani. Juan, welcome to the
1: show, man. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me.
0: Dude, when I was uh, getting ready to launch the podcast, I came up with this list of people and businesses that I wanted to highlight. And Brickle Living was definitely one of those that was in that first initial list of people that I definitely wanted to highlight on the episode. And then I started looking into you and all the other things that I realized you're doing for the community and for the businesses here in Miami. And I was like, oh, I definitely need to have this guy on board. So thank you for everything that you're doing. And welcome to the show. Man, man. I
1: appreciate that.
0: So for the listeners that may not know who you are and all the good things that you're doing, Go ahead and take a few minutes to introduce yourself, what you're working on.
1: Sure. So, well, I'm Juan Marcos and uh, uh, I'm a digital marketer here in Miami. Well, I say digital marketer because that's how I started, but I'm also a hospitality entrepreneur. I started my journey with uh, Brickle Living, which was an Instagram account that that grew into something much bigger than just being an Instagram account. And that led me to create other platforms such as MiamiBarCrawls.com. And Sweet Caroline Karaoke Bar, and in February or March, hopefully, we're opening our second bar, Slap and Tickle, in downtown Miami.
0: And so, what's been the process that led to this, to all of these things going on? Were you always entrepreneur?
1: You know, I was one of those. I guess you know, after high school, I never really like, especially my senior year. I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh, all my friends, I didn't even take my SATs. All my friends took their; they were taking their SATs. They were applying for schools and doing all of this. And I was like, I didn't want to go to college and be one of those people that just did college to go to college without like an actual purpose, you know, or, or, or passion behind it. Um, and then get stuck with a huge tuition bill to pay at the end and then kind of regret it and not even work in that you know, right. field. My father was in wealth management and insurance. And so he told me, Hey, you should get your life insurance and your health insurance license and and maybe, you know, do this with me. And I was like, sure, whatever, I'll just get my life insurance and health insurance license. And, and so I sold insurance. And that was kind of my first taste of entrepreneurship, because a lot of insurance companies, if you work for like a health insurance or life insurance company, you kind of have to create your own book of business, you have to knock on doors, you have to find the leads and the prospects and all of that. And so I had to manage my own time and do all of that stuff. So that was my first taste of entrepreneurship, kind of. But I was obviously 18, 19 years old. I was not responsible at all, especially with my time. Uh, so it didn't go very well for me. So I tried to find another path or something else that I could do with this license that I just acquired, my my 215 license, which is health and life insurance, right? And it just so happens that Chase was, it was just during the merger between Chase and Washington Mutual and Chase acquired Washington Mutual and they were hiring bankers like crazy with your 215 license here in in miami so i thought i would apply to be a banker and i was hired on the spot so it was a crazy experience for me
0: so how does that working in banking translate to say brick living like what's the right, what's that right, jump? because that is right. not a natural evolution by any means
1: yeah every time i say that everybody <laughs> tells me the same thing like it, it wasn't um You know, I was still young and trying to figure myself out. I kind of thought I found myself uh, in finance and saw, and that was the future for me. I'd be, I'd be a private banker, then a wealth man, then then going to wealth management. And uh, I really thought that was a path for me. But then in my early twenties, after doing it for, I don't know, maybe four or five years working at chase, I became super depressed, man. I was really depressed. I was antisocial. Uh, there was something, that was my body telling me that there was something wrong with what I was doing. You know, uh, I hated driving to work. I would, you know, I would live in Kendall drive to Brickle cause the branch that I worked at was in Brickle. Um, you know, 45 minute hour drive here, an hour drive back time wasted. I was just really, um, upset with my situation. So I decided to move to Brickle. And I uh, found an apartment literally a block away from where the branch was. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll move here. My brother was my roommate at the time. And I'm like, let me, you know, let me check out what living in Brickle was Your quality like. of life just shot through the roof. <sighs> Skyrocketed, man. It took me <laughs> literally walking I was a block away. I'm not exaggerating when I say that. It Take me five minutes to get to yeah. work walking, you know? And that really was my first taste of what it was like to live in Brickle. And um, there wasn't all these buildings and skyscrapers that you see now. It was about eight, nine years ago. Right. And it really rekindled my love for the city of Miami. And so I really started to enjoy my city again. And so I would walk, you know, to Brickell Key and that would be my running route every morning. I would just run around Brickell Key. I would uh, walk to restaurants and walk to do my grocery. It's at Publix and my quality of life just improved vastly. And so then one day I was walking around Brickell Key And it was a beautiful day in November. I I just finished running and I felt very inspired. And I'm like, man, I have to share this with people, like what it's like to live in Brickell. Maybe I'll just start an Instagram page. At that time, I called it Brickell Life. It wasn't called Brickell Living. I remember Instagram had just came out for Android. And so I downloaded it. I was really excited to start this. And I took that first picture. I used one of those like crappy word editing, you know, where you put like this ugly filter and I put Brickell on the picture. (laughs) Which we would, I would never use now. I remember the first caption was like, "For everything, Brickle, follow me." Okay, and that was my first post. Um, what was going through your head in that moment, where you're like thinking?
0: Because most people would have just posted it on their personal page. Talk to me about like the thought process between why start a page as opposed to just doing it on your personal, or was there a specific thought process there?
1: Uh, not really. I I think. I knew that I was I was going to be reposting a lot of pictures because I knew I was I wasn't going to be able to create all the content myself initially. So I knew I was going to be reposting a lot of pi- pictures and, and uh, also reaching out and leaving comments like you know to people on the platform. So I thought it'd be weird if I did that for my personal page. I thought people would be like, "Who is this guy commenting on the picture?" You know. So
0: from the beginning, you knew you were kind of you were going to be highlighting the community and right. other people's photos and everything.
1: God. Right. And that honestly, and that thought process happened like in a span of 20 seconds, because I'd never thought about doing something like that until that day that I was walking around Brickell Key and I'm like, I have to share this. Let me start an Instagram page. And then all those other thoughts came in. Like, if I repost uh, this this guy's picture, is he going to be okay with it? If I reach out via comment, are they going to be okay with that? Um, so then I decided to just venture off and do it. Got via it. a different page.
0: Talk a little bit about the process of how that evolved. Seven, what was it? Seven, eight years ago? Yeah, seven, eight years ago. Was there a particular tipping point or a point where you kind of like sat back and, and went, hmm, this is something. I've got something on my hands here.
1: Yeah. So I kind of describe really quickly how I, how I grew that following. Uh, so what I would do is I would go through hashtags. Let's say like the Brickle hashtag, right? And I would uh, go to the Brickle hashtag and I would just start liking pictures, liking pictures, doing this on my own. And this is just like a strategy that I thought about doing at the time. There was like nobody writing blogs about how to grow your Instagram page. I just figured that if that person sees me engage with them, they're going to look at my page. They're going to look at the content. They're going to follow me back. And so I started doing that and I would do hundreds of pictures every day because I would do Brickle hashtag, Miami hashtag. I really wanted to keep it local so I didn't do anything that was too global or, th- or that wasn't, uh, you know, like, or it wasn't too well known it, unless you're a local. Um, and I would also leave comments. So I would leave comments to people saying, Hey, I love this picture. Or, I love that you ate at this restaurant or I love the specials at, at Paracons. And, you know, like I tried to keep it as, as local and as authentic as I could. It wasn't yeah, You were
0: actually me. engaging. You are being social in social media. What, right, a, what right. a
1: revolutionary concept. Right. You'd be surprised, <laughs> man. <laughs> no, I know. I get, I get it. I get it. And people would, you know, reply back and then they would follow me. And, and I grew and I did that for two, three years, just growing the page like that. But during that process, there was a time where a local business reached out to me and they were like, Hey, we would like to advertise with you. Uh, how much does the post cost? And I was like, um, hundred bucks. I didn't know what I was saying. I just said, "Just that a hundred bucks right. and they're like, okay, cool. Um, we can, you stop by uh, the shop so we can take some pictures and I'll give you the check. And I was like, okay. Cool, you sure. know like, crap. They said, can yes, too quick. <laughs> I didn't the. Best for more. <laughs> right no, I did, actually, I, was, I didn't even think about that. I was so happy that I did it for a hundred bucks, man. right. Um, and this is when I had like four thousand followers on Instagram. went there, I took some pictures. I kind of I knew that I wanted to stay true to the brand. So I tried to tie it into what I was to the whole brickle living aesthetic, right? And I did that. I was able to do that. but they were really happy, so they kind of like, just, okay, can you do this? Can we do it again? And so they kind of became a consistent a return or a repeat customer. And they would would advertise with us like almost on a monthly basis, but that's kind of when it, that switch went off and I was like, okay, I have something here. And then that switch or that experience of, okay, I have something bigger here actually came up, came up again when I decided to do my first event, which was a networking uh, bar crawl that I decided to do. I don't know how those two things came together, but somehow they came together. And I did it with a make a wish foundation. We donated a certain percentage to them. And that's really when I got a, for me at that time, a taste of a decent amount of money. Like I think we were selling like $10 tickets or something like that, 10 to $15 tickets. And we ended up making like $2,000 profit off that one event after donations and everything. And that's when I really realized, okay, I have something really big here that I can monetize.
0: What's Brickle Living doing these days, and then what's what's to come for Brickle Living?
1: So right now, Brickle Living is is still the biggest community platform dedicated to all things Brickle. Uh, we're doing exactly what we did before, but now we're taking it to the next level in the sense that we want to really focus on making our community better. For example, we have an initiative, a social media initiative that we call Project Crosswalk, and the idea behind that social media initiative is to improve certain crosswalks in the city so we can so we can improve the walkability and make it safer for pedestrians um so we we really want to start focusing now on more like initiatives on improving our city not on social media but actually doing that in real life uh that's number 1 number 2 brick of living was actually just uh, a portion of brick of living was actually sold to a partner of mine who's going to be developing uh, the real estate division for Brickle living focused on rentals and commercial leasing. And that was actually like a third aha moment because Brickle living just as a, as an Instagram page generates a bunch of real estate leads like left and right. People are always asking me like, Hey, I want to live in Brickle. What's the best building to to live in. And actually I just got this one last week. They're like, I'm opening a gym, uh, in in Miami. Would love to do it in the Brickle area. Where do you recommend, or where should I go to, to open this gym? And so these leads started coming to me and I figured like hey there's something even bigger here there's an opportunity for real estate and this person just came in at the right You're time. You're talking about Hector, right? Yes. <laughs> I'm going to have him I'm
0: going to have him on the show too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So
1: Hector actually came in and, and uh he's focused on developing the real estate division of Brickle Living.
0: Going back to your Crosswalk project and that initiative, is that was there a particular reason for that w- or was it just something that you noticed was what 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 was the thought process on this is the one of those things that you're gonna focus on?
1: I just I I live here, you know, I live in Brickle, I experience Brickle every day. And then um I just noticed that there are there are things that we can do that we can improve on. And it's okay. And I and I also realized like it's okay to be proud of where you're from and to be proud of Miami and to be proud of living in Brickle and all that stuff. But you can also have the awareness that we can do things better, right? You know? And that really, when that went off, I was like, okay, you know what, I'm, I, I love highlighting the best parts of my city, but I think we need to call out, you know, the things that can, that we can improve on or the things that are just bad, you right. know? And, uh, I started doing that the first time I, I did an Instagram story talking about, uh, project crosswalk. I mean, I got at least a hundred DMs from people saying, yes, we need this. There's like that I'm, you know, I'm thinking specifically of a crosswalk on, a. Tenth Street and First Avenue. Oh my God, right that is a nightmare. You know where the Publix is? Yes. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I live right in Brooklyn too, so okay, like, you know, Yeah, that area right there. I mean, there's a huge. That's just the, the the entrance to the um the Metro Rails right there and the Metro Mover. That sh- there should be a crosswalk, like a very good solid crosswalk for people to cross. I late.
0: walk. I cross that to take my daughter to school, and man, I am on the lookout every single time I cross that there and because I, it is. I've crazy. seen trucks like
1: just take it yes you know and and i saw that i'm like no this is you know what we're doing for the city is great through Brickle living but we can do more like it's time that we took our our digital influence and bring it to the real life and um and project crosswalk is the beginning of that for sure
0: very cool very cool i know that you also have another initiative which is around like i don't know if it's an actual initiative but it's it's about the scooters and like educating people on how to you know scooter etiquette and all of that stuff and yeah so talk a little bit about that because well, that is another one of those issues if you live in Brickle, you know how how
1: yeah for sure man and that actually all ties into the crosswalk uh you know aspect but um i by the way i'm pro scooter i have an e-scooter i love them uh but i think there absolutely needs to be some type of they need to be regulated or some people need to be You know, just need to learn the etiquette of what it means and the responsibility you have to drive that, you know, because you're going 15 to 18 miles per hour. A lot of these people on these scooters act like the sidewalk is theirs, that they own it. But in reality, it's pedestrians that should have the right of way on sidewalks, right? And so it's not really an initiative. It's more kind of just like teaching people like, hey, you know, you need to have some degree of awareness and etiquette when you're riding these on the sidewalk. Um,
0: or even then when you're parking them, because that's yes. honestly, that's one of my biggest pet peeves. Like how, when people leave them halfway across the sidewalk and you're like, man, if somebody, a, a, a mom with a baby is walking with a stroller, now they have to, or, or a
1: disabled person in a wheelchair, they can't get through. Dude, I'm so glad you brought that up because one of the, I actually did an Instagram story showing like, Hey, look, somebody left a scooter here in the middle of the the entrance to the sidewalk, like up the, the ramp, you know? And, uh, I moved it. And I said, guys, if you can, you know, it takes a few seconds. I know it's not your responsibility, but if you can move it, not, if, if not for you, for someone else. Right. Yeah. And when I did that, a uh, disabled, a handicapped woman reached out to me via DM and she goes, thank you so much. I'm in a wheelchair. I, I live in Brickle. And sometimes I try to get up the sidewalk and there's a scooter blocking the way. And I just couldn't believe it. Like people wow. are so, they're, they're kind of they're just in their own world and, not, and they're not thinking about what another human being. Yeah. It's going through, you know? So talk a little bit about Sweet Caroline, the bars. What's
0: your history with with bars? What inspired that?
1: You know, I I, Brickle Living, uh, Sweet Caroline, Mammy Bar Crawls, those are my success stories. But I actually have a huge failure in between all of that. Uh, And that failure, which I'm super proud of, even though it was a very painful experience at the time, uh, it's called Brickle Marketing Group. Okay after Brickle Living and I was trying to find ways to monetize, uh, you know, not not only the platform, but my skills as a digital marketer. Um, and I decided that I would start a marketing agency and do what I did for Brickle Living and for some of my other brands for local businesses because I knew the market well, Brickle, and I knew the skills well, digital marketing. So I started Brickle Marketing Group. I uh, acquired a few of my, you know, a few base clients that really helped me you know, pay for expenses and other things that I had going on. And looking back on on it, this is really funny, man. Really wasn't an agency at all. It was me (laughs) managing uh, 15 clients on social media myself. And uh, it was, you know, after doing that for about like two years, I realized that I left the corporate world. And you were right back and in. I was right back in it
0: in a worse situation not because now everything was on you.
1: <laughs> and, and I had 15 clients. I had 15. I mean, I have 15 bosses instead of having one boss. Yep. I had 15 bosses. And um, that just threw me back into that spiral of depression <laughs> and uh, anxiety and all this. And I'm like, dude, what am I doing? Like, I am not happy. I left the corporate world to to get away from all of this. And here I am. And I find myself right back in it. My biggest flaw, which is something that I'm still working on now, but definitely it was uh, I, it was highlighted during my, my experience with Brickle Marketing Group. I do not know how to delegate at all. I did not know how to create processes, how to create systems, how to tell other people to do things, you know, like, and that was ultimately the downfall of Brickle Marketing Group because I actually ended up hiring somebody who was... Dear friend of mine at that time, like I was hiring her to do certain things, but I wasn't delegating things to her, so like that value of hiring her wasn't there because I was doing everything because I didn't know how to explain to her how to do it, you know. And ultimately, I had to, I couldn't pay her anymore, so I had to fire her, and that caused the friendship to end. And then, um, and at that moment, you know, a few months later, I'm like, dude, I am over this. I'm, I'm not where I want to be right now. Um, I gotta let this go. And I started telling my clients one by one, like, I can't work with you. I can't work with you. I can't do this anymore. That said, one of my clients was Red Bar. Uh, And I did a lot of restaurants, but Red Bar was one of my clients. And uh, I made, I mean, I became really close friends, probably one of my closest friends now with uh, Antar, one of the owners. He approached me with this, this, uh, this idea to start a karaoke bar. He just asked me one day, he's like, what do you think about starting a karaoke bar? But what he didn't know is that I was thinking about like, Dude, Brickell is missing a karaoke bar. I love karaoke. That's another part too. Okay. So I do love karaoke. That's why I was thinking I was about like, that. I was I was going to say like, what? <laughs> what That's a weird thing too. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love karaoke. I'm a karaoke fiend. Um, I don't do it as much now with my own bar, but I love it. And here comes Antar and he tells me, dude, what do you think about this idea? Let's open a karaoke bar in brickle. I'm like, yeah, all right, you know, let's do it. I said that very calmly because I didn't think it would ever happen. <laughs> And little did I know that he had this opportunity to take over a a bar. And in the coming weeks after that conversation, he's like, okay, it's happening. Let's talk about the partnership. I was like, okay, what? (laughs) Is this really happening? That was definitely um, a scary moment in my life in the sense that I was taking a huge risk. You know, because I didn't, I had no idea about the, I mean, I knew how to market and I knew how to do marketing, but I had, no idea whatsoever about the nightlife industry or owning a bar or hospitality outside the fact that I'm just a nice guy. And I'm, you know, like I had no idea how to do or manage to do any of that. And I had just dropped all my clients for Brickle Marketing Group. So I Mm -hmm. had no income coming in. All I had was my savings and then what I made from Brickle Living. Right. And what I made from the bar crawls, which thankfully was, you know, was a, a good amount of money. But what, you know, this is coming in and opening a bar. You need money for that. So I pretty much just took what I had in my savings and uh, I, you know, I, I gave it to him. I was very hesitant about that, but I, we put it into Sweet Caroline. And man, am I thankful for that. And, am I, and I'm thankful for my partner, Antar, who who sees these opportunities and he jumps, you know.
0: What are some of those lessons that you took away from that? Talk to me about that process of realizing, okay, this failed because of this. What am I going to do about it?
1: Well, the failure of Brickle Marketing Group taught me two things. It well, taught, me, taught me several things, but the, the two main things that it taught me is that, um, that I need to delegate and have systems and processes in place and that I never, ever want to do client work again. And the other thing, as I mentioned before, processes. I need to delegate, create processes so I can build an actual team that's going to do the work for me so I'm not working and I'm sure you've heard this a million times, I'm not working in my business, but I'm working on my business. And that's right. really what Brickle Marketing Group or the failure of Brickle Marketing Group taught me.
0: You know that you need to learn how to delegate, how to set up processes, systems, and everything. Where are you turning to? What, what are you, is it books? What kind of books? Because um, it sounds a lot like, I'm sure you've read E-Myth.
1: Yeah, right? I was about to say that. Right. It's, on exactly. my, it's on my list. Yes, I'm turning to books. I'm also turning to, the experiences of others, especially other marketers, John Saunders, uh, just digital marketers or locals, and they all have the same mentality, especially with digital marketing and SEO and building an agency. You need to have processes. So I look at their social media and I, and I kind of see what they're doing. Um, I actually hired John to do some consultation and help me organize my processes, but I'm also reading. So you mentioned the book that really opened my eyes that I, I need to create a process was the e-myth
0: have you ever read uh, a book called the checklist manifesto i have not but i'm going to add it to my reading list now <laughs> so man Because that, that one book i'm telling you you're going to get so much value out of it it talks about um in the process of of building up processes and, and delegating and all that stuff part of it is also putting together really good checklists that that people can follow to ensure that something is done the same way with consistency so that you have consistent results. And it's so highly, highly recommended. Okay. I'll add it to my list. Talk to me about, you know, you've done a lot of really cool things with Brickle Living. What are some of the projects that you're most proud of um, that you've been able to work through Brickle Living?
1: I think the biggest project, which is an ongoing project because it, it became a business of its own is Miami Bar Crawls. What started as an event that we were going to do just here and there with, with Brickle Living took a life of its own really and became this whole other beast <laughs> where we were instead of doing bar crawls on a yearly basis, we started doing on a monthly basis. And I realized like this can't go under, you know, Brickle Living because it's a different community that I'm trying to build through here. So uh, let's branch off and start Miami Bar Crawls. And that's definitely one of the biggest projects because it became an actual business that I'm proud of that stemmed from Brickle Living. You know, it was the first time we did it, which was nearly six years ago. We did it for Halloween. And the reason we did a bar crawl was because um, I was doing marketing for batch at that time. They were one of my clients. We had this huge party planned at batch for Halloween. We thought people were going to come to Brickell and just nobody came to Brickell for Halloween at all. They're either at Lincoln road or coconut grove. Mind you, this is like five, six years ago and Wynwood wasn't what it is today. Right. So the next year I, I told myself, okay, now we got to do something to get people coming here to Brickle. And so we decided to organize our first monster bar crawl, which was going to be a Halloween themed bar crawl in Brickle. And we sold, uh, like 700, 800 tickets <laughs> with very little marketing effort. So the people here wanted to do something, you know, right. and I was like, okay, so now we have something else that we can work on. And then we decided to do it again for new year's and we sold another thousand tickets. And I'm like, okay, let's, let's kind of take a step back. Let's get this organized. Let's create this entity, Mammy Bar Crawls. And now let's do bar crawls, you know, as much as we can on at least a monthly basis. And now we've got it to the point that we do maybe 16 bar crawls a year, roughly. Wow. Yeah.
0: So obviously, Brickle has undergone this like incredible transformation over the past, you know, five, 10 years, right? And mm-hmm. you've basically had like this front row seat to it. Um, what are some of the challenges that you see Brickell faces as well as some of the opportunities?
1: You know, right now I feel like one of the biggest challenges Brickell is facing is, uh, what the landlords are charging for rent. I think it's a very high price. that's not justified at all. And so, I mean, you, I'm sure you've seen it. You walk into certain, uh, you know, malls and there's restaurants are closed. Bars are closed. Yeah. And, um, it's because Winwood has surpassed Brickle in terms of foot traffic and even tourist traffic, you know tourists don't even they, they either come to South Beach, they go to Winwood, they don't really come to Brickle, right, but we're being charged rent, and I say, we're because I know what we're being charged at Sweet Caroline. We're being charged rent like like we have that kind of foot traffic when in reality, we don't, you know. Hmm. And I think that's a huge problem Brickle is facing because it's just, we're, we're losing so many local businesses due to these high rent prices. Right. And, and just not enough people coming to the area to justify charging. This is just an example, but $20,000 a month in rent for 2,500, 3,000 square feet, it doesn't make sense. I think that's really one of the biggest problems we're facing. I don't know if that'll ever change, to be honest with you, especially because they keep building so. Right. You know, I don't think that'll, that'll ever change. Thinking about it from a business perspective, that question, I think there's an opportunity. Uh, I think the families in Brickell are not being catered to. So when I moved to Brickell, I was in my early twenties, a so young millennial and I didn't have kids. Right. Um, and, and so a lot of people at that time that were moving to Brickell were also young millennials around my age and didn't have kids or didn't have a family. Fast forward eight years later, those same millennials are living in Brickell, but now they have kids and a husband, a spouse, Um, and there's really not a lot for them to do here, especially kids. So I think business-wise, there's an opportunity to create some type of environment for that's more family-friendly. And actually, that's the mentality we're taking into Brickell Living next year for some of the events that we put together. I had somebody reach out to me yesterday and ask me if there were any any family-friendly events in the area for New Year's. And I was like, not that I know of, you know, right. but that really got another light bulb going. Like we have an opportunity. Dude, I here. could
0: not agree more with you on that because I moved to Brickell a little over four, almost five years ago before my, my first daughter was born. And so I've suffered through what it is to be in Brickell with a newborn and being like, Holy crap, there's nowhere. Like there's no outside parks or anything, but I have, I will say this. I have seen in the past, four years it's been it's been noticeable like little parks popping up here yeah. and there and everything so it, yeah I've noticed that it's definitely too. taking the city a little bit longer than than it needed to start adapting
1: yeah absolutely
0: so while I was doing a little bit of research on you I noticed that you're you're an avid reader and I know we touched a little bit on 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 some of the books and everything has that always been the case have you always been like an avid reader um no no What
1: prompted the reading? Um, I mean, the first time that I really had like this is literally was a spiritual awakening was in my early twenties. Even though my dad, from a very young age, was like, "You should read. You know, reading is good for you." I kind of never paid attention to that. Um, Really, in my early twenties, I had a spiritual awakening, and I I read the book um, Celestine Prophecy, and that was really the first. It's a fictional book, but it talks about energy and and you know. just a very spiritual book and it really got me it kind of awakened something in me like okay there's so much knowledge out there that i'm not consuming i should read i should read more you know because if this one book made me feel this way made me learn all these things i wonder what's going to happen when i read the next book you know so that was my first spiritual kind of awakening when it comes to reading books in my early 20s and then i had another one um, after brickle marketing group failed I thought to myself, I can probably avoid these mistakes <laughs> if I if I pick up a book <laughs> and start reading more.
0: Of people that have actually gone through what I'm going through, yeah. Exactly. Or, and
1: surpassed it, yeah. So that was my, uh, uh, that's when I really started reading a lot more, and by a lot more to me is, you know, a book a month is what I tried to read. Okay. Uh, just to not overwhelm myself. And I really, when I read, I try to like really learn the information, not just kind of speed read and let's say like I... I put notes in the margin. I put uh, sticky tabs on pages that I want to come back to. And at the end of the, of reading a book, I'll write a little summary about it of my key takeaways. Um, so I really try to get involved in in the reading process and the learning process. I never read to read.
0: What are one to three books that you would say most shaped your approach to business? Um, and I want to focus specifically on business and then we'll touch on, on, on the personal side of things.
1: Okay. Uh, definitely the E-myth revisited just the whole point of, uh, creating processes and how important that is. So that's number one. I mean, I say number one, but it's re- this is in no particular order. Uh, the motivation myth, not only working when you're motivated or doing things or learning when you're motivated, but doing it when you're not is more important than doing Cause anyone can run a mile when they're motivated. Anybody can work on their business when they're motivated. The people who are going to make it are the people who run that mile or work on their business or work on their hobby when they're not motivated. Right. You know, so that was a book when I read it really like resonated with me. So I have it on my shelf and I look at it and I skim through it every once in a while. Uh, Third book, uh, Thinking Girl Rich by Napoleon Hill. Of course. That's a classic. You have to put that in there. Um even though you know some of the things are a little bit outdated it's still for the most part 90% of that book is to this day you can still apply a lot uh, from that book um so that's definitely one of the books that I recommend like if you're a starting entrepreneur or even if you're not and you haven't read it and you and you need something to kind of get you out of your box in terms of how you think about pursuing anything in life read that book
0: slightly different version of that question if somebody wanted to know about Juan which three books, if that's all people could read, what one to three books do you think best help people understand how you approach life? Both business, personal, parenting. I know you're a dad, everything.
1: You know, this is, I need, I'm going to put this out there. I know people feel a certain way about religion. I am a born again Christian, uh, recently was baptized. Um, And I'm not going to say the whole Bible, but there are certain passages, certain books in the uh, from the Bible that I really try to to live by. So I would say if I could share certain passages from the Bible and tell people, look, if you read this, is really what I'm about and what I'm trying to do, I would share those passages for sure. Um, the subtle art of not give, of not giving a fuck. Okay, that's another one. Um, that book helped me a lot too. I actually, would throw that in there not only for business but for personal growth. Um, I, I was a person that cared and I, and I, I still am, but I'm am improving a lot on this front. I really care about what other people think about me. It's a good thing and it's a bad thing, but it's mostly a bad thing. And so that book kind of helped me, um, you know, get away from that and really stop thinking about and caring about what people thought about me. Uh, so that's another book that I would recommend or that I would say would define me. Third book. The Four Agreements. Uh, What's that one about? Never heard of it. It's, uh, it's basically, a f- it's, a, it's a very short book. Don Miguel Ruiz, I think is, a, is the author of the book. And essentially it's just four agreements that you should live your life by. And I actually have these four agreements on a post-it note taped to my, uh, the bathroom mirror. And I look at them every morning. One of them is, the first one is be impeccable with your word. Don't take anything personally. Don't make assumptions and always do your best. And the whole book is just a breakdown of those four agreements and why you should live your life following those agreements. I don't stick to them I mean, you know, I'm not perfect. <laughs> I don't stick to them every single day, but I really try my best to live my life by that for sure. Right, right, right.
0: Yeah. Going back to your, your point about the Bible and everything, I, I completely relate with you because one of my... In fact, like if somebody ever asked me the same thing of like, what's one thing, like I could even pin it down to one verse. Wow of okay. the Bible, which is Proverbs 137. and there's a particular, like, you know how they have different um, translations, right? Yeah, that all read differently. The message translation is by far my favorite. Proverbs 13:7 says, "A fancy, showy life is an empty life, a plain and simple life is a full life." Okay. And like that verse, for me. If you know that, you know everything about me. Always trying to simplify my life, keep things simple for me and my family and all of that stuff. So I 100% uh, relate. That to that awesome, that dude. Whole That's awesome, That's
1: a very good <laughs> thing. You can, you can pin it down to that. It's, it's yeah, great. Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, any other key moments in life or people that you, looking back you go, have made a big impact in your life?
1: I mean, my son. That's, uh, you know, How old is he? he's five. Okay. I thought that was going to be a tough question to answer, but no, it's my son because it's a very long story. Uh, but I didn't know I had a son until he was a year old. No way. Yeah. So he's going to hear this in the future maybe, but, but we'll talk about that when it comes. Um, but I didn't know I had a son until he was a year old. So when i found out i had a son it's not like when you find out that uh, the person that you're with is pregnant because when some when that happens you know you have eight nine months to kind of figure things out like okay all right i'm gonna be a dad or i'm gonna be a mom it's, I, I have some time to figure this out but i gotta i gotta start figuring it out now and your face does it all wow <laughs> <I'm just> like, <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's gotta be the
1: craziest thing in the world oh it was <laughs> and i was in my mid-20s when that happened early you know like 24. Um, So I was still kind of partying and going out and drinking and, you know, and kind of enjoying that time or enjoying it over enjoying that that moment in that time in my life. Uh, And then somebody tells me, hey, I think you have a kid. We got to get this figured out. And I, you know, went ahead and took the DNA test and ninety nine point nine 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 percent, you know, it came out the results and it was my son. And so. You know, I had no, I didn't have that buffer to kind of figure things out. Like, hey, you're a dad. Now you got to figure things out. Now, what are your next steps? You know, it took some time, obviously. I think, I think anybody who's put in that situation, it would kind of take some, would take some time for them to process what's happening, that you're a dad, you know, like you have a son, there's somebody now who depends on you. What are you going to do with your life? Right. The person that I was before Mateo. The person who would go out drinking, who would who would party, who would do all this shit, who was not really responsible, that person ceased to exist the moment that I found out I was a dad. And he gave me a real reason to pursue my purpose in life. I'm thinking as I'm saying this out loud, you know, I also want to include my my obviously my girlfriend there who's been with me pretty much during the during like the climax of my of my entrepreneurial journey um and she's definitely one of the key people in my life that has really um that has really been with me and and changed me for the better but had it not been for Mateo my son I would not be the person that she fell in love with I would have been somebody else you know so Mateo was actually that wow. that missing piece um and then everything else fell into place any
0: quotes that you think of often that you try to live by.
1: I do have one. This quote is like a paragraph long though. Go for it. But okay. I have to share it because I, I, everybody usually only hears the first sentence to this quote. And there's so much more missing uh, that really just, I mean, it resonated with me and I, and I just recently read this in the book that I'm reading now.
0: What's the book that this quote is in?
1: Miracle Morning Millionaires. Okay. But they're quoting somebody. Okay. So this is a, this is a quote from Marianne Williamson. And this is usually the only part of the quote that people hear our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. The rest of the quote or the full quote goes like this. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness that most frightens us. We ask ourselves. Who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. <laughs> it's powerful, man. Right, dude. Love it. Yeah, I read that quote and I was like, man, people should hear this full quote. And I just say that first part, even though that first part is great. There's so much more to that quote that it makes it even more powerful.
0: What goes through your mind when you're reading that? What does that inspire
1: you to do? <sighs> you know, this is going to sound cliche, but to be my best, honestly, and not only that, to stop stopping myself. I do that all the time. Like I'm I know who I can be as a person. I know what I can do for my community. I know what I can give back to this world. But for whatever reason, there is this gut feeling like this fear inside of me that's telling me, no, you shouldn't you shouldn't do that. You're not worthy of being that person. But fuck that, man. I know I am. You know, I know everybody is. And so when I hear that quote, it really inspires me to push my insecurities to the side and get comfortable being uncomfortable. Let me tell you something man, I am super uncomfortable having this conversation with you and being here and being recorded for this podcast. But I'm doing it because if I want to be the person that I want to be, you know, down the line in 3, 4, or 5 years where I'm giving talks in front of people and I'm doing uh when you
0: say you feel uncomfortable, what makes you uncomfortable is it the the idea of putting out your thoughts to the public? Is it is it the public speaking? What what is it that you're uncomfortable with?
1: The public speaking definitely is one of them. And, uh, and what is, this goes back to what I talked about earlier. I have a huge fear of what other people think of me, you know? And so going out and putting myself in this uncomfortable place where I know you're going to release this to the the public, you know, that scares the shit out of me, but I have to do it because if I'm going to function at the high, at my highest level, I need to start putting myself in situations where I start getting comfortable with uncomfortable situations, you know? and th- this is me taking that step. And I'm I'm glad I'm putting it out there because if anyone is hearing this and they're feeling insecure or or they're scared of putting themselves out there, fuck that shit. I'm doing it right now. I'm putting myself out there right now. I'm super uncomfortable right now, but I'm doing it because I need to at the end of my life look back and not have the regret of not working or not fulfilling my potential.
0: Yeah. I got it. Know? no 100%. And it's funny that you mentioned that because that's also been kind of like a recurring theme that people that I've been interviewing also share. This, this idea of you've got to put yourself out there. And in, in fact, I remember Sen Lagos, who I had on, on the show, one of my favorite quotes from her was, you think you're so unique, but once you start putting yourself out there, you start realizing that there's a ton of weirdos just like you. Yeah. So looking back... You've gone through this amazing transformation, both professionally, personal, and, and it's not one that I don't think will ever be fully done. No. But when you look back, how has life turned out differently than you expected it to?
1: I thought that my journey in life was going to be like everyone's journey in life, especially before social media became a thing. And that's, you know, get a job, work nine to five, uh, save money, retire and that's it. And I really, uh, and obviously it has been the complete opposite of what I thought, you know, my life now is I, I work on three or four projects. I, uh, I don't get paid check to check. I am in control of how much money and wealth I can accumulate, you know, and I never thought that would be a thing. Uh, I own a bar, never thought I would own a bar. And it's one of the most popular bars in brick on top of that, you know? Um, and there's moments in my life where, um, through Miami bar crawls and through uh, these other projects that I sell. And I, and I create a certain amount of money that I never ever pictured in my life that I would, I would be making and that I would never make working, you know, a nine to five as a banker at chase. Right. That's one thing. That's one, I guess, one way that my life is completely different than than what I imagined. The second thing is never thought I would have a kid (laughs) in my mid twenties. Um, but obviously that was for, for the better. So switching into the
0: Miami rapid fire and with you, I'm going to give you the option to either answer these questions focused in broader Miami or narrow down to Brickle. Since, okay. Since, you know, just like Pitbull is Mr. 305, you're Mr. <laughs> Brickle, like you can go, you can take it both ways. So favorite food spot and dish.
1: Oh man, I gotta get, I mean, I love Brickle, but I'm going to go with Lung Yai Thai tapas. All right. Ocho, have you been?
0: No, but this is like the second or third time that this comes up. So I definitely am going to have to hit it up.
1: Amazing Thai food and okay. uh, their beef pad Thai, favorite dish.
0: Okay. Yeah. Favorite way to spend a Miami or a Brickell weekend?
1: You know, that's a, that's a tough question to ask, but I'm going to try to put it together as quickly as I can. probably uh, strolling, uh, you know, walking around Brickell, which is what you can do in Brickell, which is why I love it. Um, hit up some of the malls, uh, watch a movie. Um, I'm thinking about doing this with my kid and my girlfriend, obviously, um, have some ice cream at Haagen Dazs or any of the local ice cream spots. And then, um, walk around Brickell key. I love walking around Brickell key, you know, and just kind of laying down on the grass or sitting on one of the benches and, and disconnecting. Uh, it's probably one of my favorite ways. Definitely one of my favorite ways to spend like a Saturday in Brickell.
0: Okay. If you're stuck in Miami traffic, what are you listening to? Oh man. Uh, is it cliche
1: if I say a podcast No, there'll what probably would, be a podcast.
0: What Which podcast?
1: Um, man, there are a lot that aside from to. Miami
0: creators, of course. Okay. <laughs> right, right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll say podcast and I'll say music too. So, um, uh, anything, you know, Gary V audio okay. experience. Um, one of my favorite entrepreneurs for sure. Um, how to money is also a very good podcast that I, I, I really enjoy, um, and then if it was music, um, it can range, man. But probably, like, let's keep it simple and just stick, stick with one artist and his vibe. I like J. Cole.
0: Okay. Any other bi- Miami or Brickell businesses that you would like to show a little bit
1: of love to? You know, I'm going to just give a huge shout out to all the locally owned businesses. So, Batch, you know, American Social, Blackbird. These guys are... Um, I mean, Red Bar, Sweet Carolina, a bunch of different places, but any locally owned uh, business that's still here in Brickle, you know, paying the rent that they pay and doing what they're doing, grinding it out to make it happen and to, and to create, you know, the environment that they create in their venues. Um, I think that's a big, huge success. And I want to give a shout out to those businesses for awesome, sure. Awesome. Yeah.
0: Anything else that we didn't touch on that you want to kind of talk a little bit about? Anything you wish I would have asked you? Any topics that we didn't touch on that you want to kind of go into a little bit?
1: I think we've touched on everything. You know, we, I, I actually wanted to talk about it. The most important thing for me, which, which somehow we kind of stumbled on that upon that conversation, uh, was to, you know, use this opportunity to let people know that um, it's important to start putting yourself out there as scary as it is, as uncomfortable as it is as much as you hate the sound of your, your own voice or as much as you doubt your whatever skills you may be putting out there, um, do it. Because I think the worst thing in life is, you know, being of old age and just realizing that you didn't live to your full potential. And I think at the end of the day, that's going to be the most uncomfortable experience of them all. Um, so put yourself out there, get uncomfortable, uh, because that's the only way that you're going to grow.
0: What is the best way for people to connect with you to f- stay up to date on all the things that you're working on or can they reach out everything?
1: Yeah. So, you know, you can, if you're not following Brickle living, follow at Brickle underscore living. But if you want to connect with me on a more personal level, you can follow my personal Instagram page where I, where I kind of put, you know, all the projects that I'm doing, uh, all the events I'm going to, what I'm learning. Uh, so that would be at Juan.m.rancano or shoot me an email at, uh, jm at rankanoventures.com.
0: awesome and what are some of the we'll link to them but go mm-hmm. ahead and rattle off some of the social channels for Sweet Caroline crawl the pub crawls what's the best place for people to find out sure. information about that
1: Miami Bar Crawls would be at Miami Bar Crawls Sweet Caroline uh, would be at Sweet Caroline Bar nice Yeah. Awesome. awesome Juan thank you so much man dude thank you for having me and for the opportunity
0: for real awesome thank you Hey guys, this is Corrado again. Two quick things before you take off. One, remember that you can find detailed show notes for every single episode at miamicreators.com. And two, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share this with someone you think would find it interesting. That's it. Until next time, thank you for listening.